courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Ralph Ankampour spent a career charting the markets. In retirement, he's doing the same. This is Steve Grosser, joined with Eric Holm, who wrote the story about Ralph and his barn. Eric, tell me why we decided to write this story. Well, once I heard about the barn, I knew I was going to seek Ralph out eventually. And, and I started talking to him, and, and we sped up the process markedly when when the Dow crashed through 23,000. Because we've written a lot of these millennium marker stories. We did, well, I think it was the beginning of the year, we went through 20,000. And we did 21,000. Then we went through 22,000. Now we're at 23,000. We've run out of different ways to tell the story, except for Ralph had found a new way of, of illustrating the market's move. So so we wanted to tell his story. And, and, and what's interesting, he's, he decided... When did you, Ralph, when did you decide to uh, paint the Dow Jones Industrial Average on your barn? Well, last year I was thinking about it because this year is my 50th anniversary on Wall Street. In fact, I entitled the chart Ralph's First 50 Years on Wall Street. <laughs> we had a family discussion about this beautiful blank wall. And initially, Rosemary, my lovely wife, uh, was a little concerned that we'd have too many people coming and staring at the wall. And then I was going to bolt signs and, you know, different levels. And it, it got very complicated. Complicated, And then I, I thought about it for quite some time and uh, found a way of getting around all the obstacles. And uh, it was a labor of love. I had to do it because 50 years ago, that's the way we created charts, by hand. Yeah, you. I mean, that was what you, you had, a, like a whole war room, right? At, you were at Kidder Peabody and you had a yeah. whole war room devoted to the charts you drew by hand. Yeah, the, the war, war room. War Room had uh, four major charts that were eight feet high, 22 feet long. Can you imagine the size of this room? <laughs> it, had, it was all cork walls. And the corners were curved. It was like like being in a bubble. And then the center of the room was a big round table with a lazy Susan in the middle. We had these big books in it which housed the charts that we updated over 2,000 charts by hand every day. And we should tell our listeners, department. yeah, and Ralph, we should tell our listeners that you were and are a technical analyst. And why don't you tell folks what that means? Yeah, well, um, back in the late 1800s, there was a man by the name of Charles Henry Dow. I think you guys know him. Yeah, 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 yeah you heard of him. We heard of him. Yeah, you heard of him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, in his simplicity, the man was a bloody genius. You know, and in his day, he was, as you know, was the editor-in-chief editor of the Wall Street Journal, and he wanted to find out what was going on in companies. So he would literally knock on the door of U.S. Steel, and there was a company called U.S. Steel in those days, and say, how was business? And U.S. Steel would say, my business is none of yours. <laughs> there was no reason for them to talk about earnings. Right. And he was frustrated. If no one would talk to him, how, how could he write his paper? So he, the man just literally sat down, and he, and he started copying the, the price action of the stocks every day. He called it the figure chart. He kept the numbers every day. And he opined that if the stock price is going up, things must be good at the company. If the stock price is going down, it says it must be a problem. Hello. <laughs> that was the beginning of technical analysis. It was a bloody uh, miracle. It was wonderful. And by the time you got to the field, uh, it, had, it had evolved significantly. So why don't you tell us about your start? There? Oh, sure. Well, uh, you know, as time goes by, a fellow by, I believe his name was Victor de Villiers, and said, hey, Charlie, you're really recording one-point moves. Why don't we call it point and figure? And uh, he changed the 
complexion of the chart. And then years later, someone decided to do a bar chart, which my barn is, the high and low for the week or day or whatever. And then the Japanese came along, and uh, they claimed that they had it before we had our charts, <laughs> and it's called the candlestick chart, and it incorporates the open and the open and close. So it evolved, and um, there are wonderful services out there for, for people who sit on uh, the computer and get all the graphics they want. By the way, I don't call it technical analysis anymore. I call it data visualization because I don't care what the data is. It could be GDP, it could be unemployment, it could be interest rate. Everybody has a chart in front of them. That's the good news. The bad news, people don't know how to read the chart. And that's where we technicians come in. And data visualization is like the hot... lectures uh, around universities <laughs> all over the country. If, I, I just came back from Romania talking hmm. about how to read charts. Now, the, you getting into or going to Wall Street and getting into doing uh, you know technical analysis, um, that was not your first uh, sort of, uh, you know, that was not what you were expecting when you were a young man. You had another sort of career path, right? Oh, yes. Uh, in fact, exactly 50 years ago, May, a few months back, I was a seminarian studying for the priesthood of the Archdiocese of New York City. I went home one day to visit my parents, and my father gives me the keys to his brand new Buick. He said, uh, put a scratch on it, and I'll kill you. Well, I got hit by a trailer truck, 40 tons oh, wow. and 60 miles an hour, and I was standing still. I was in and out of hospitals for a long, long time, and I wound up having surgery on my uh, spinal fusion. In those days, that was a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal today, but can you imagine 50 years ago? Yeah. And, you know, I spent three months in a hospital in a body cast, and my father's very, very dear friend, Bill Downey, would come and visit me, and he would uh, drop the Wall Street Journal in the bed and Forbes magazine and things like that. That's how I get exposed to Wall Street. Now, when did you start painting, I guess? the chart on the barn wall. Is that 21,000, right? Yeah, I started researching it over a year ago, trying to get the data, number one. Number two, trying to figure out exactly what kind of history I wanted to put on it. I just didn't want the chart itself. I wanted to incorporate things like how many presidents were there in the last 50 years? The yeah. answer is 10. Started with In my picture, it started with Johnson in the, you know, in the late 60s. And then how many recessions did we have? And the answer is seven recessions in the last 50 years. And then I said, gee, I wonder, how, I wonder what, how many crashes do we have? And this was an interesting thing, because in my mind, I always define a crash as the market dropping 50% or more. Well, that's not true. A crash is anything that drops 30, over 30%. In fact, we just celebrated the 87 crash, and the Dow was down 36% from high to low. And the one, only one crash that was over 50% is the one that you and I just witnessed, the yeah. one in 2007 yeah. 2009. It was 54%. Interesting, yeah. And we should pause for a second and let people know that they can read more about this in two articles that are on the Wall Street Journal website now. And they have some great pictures for people wanting to check this out. That one day with my uh, pal, uh, Henry VIII. My Henry VIII. Uh, English yeah. lab dog. He's uh, my buddy. <laughs> right, right. And uh, apparently he uh, supervised the painting? Yes, he's uh, 205 pounds, and uh, he wagged the tail whether he liked it or didn't like <laughs> it. So. We're talking to Ralph Ankenport about the Dow 23,000 chart that he put on his barn wall. This is Moneybeat from the Wall Street Journal. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. For a new podcast experience, subscribe to the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. 
This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. This is Stephen Grosser. I'm joined in the studio with Eric Holm. And on the phone is Ralph Ankampor. And Ralph, Eric, you discovered that he was charting the Dow on his barn wall. Can you you were you were starting to go through just all the sort of you know, describing the wall. Yeah, yeah, Ralph, I would just wanted to walk people through your decision to uh, rescale it in 1988. So why don't you tell us what it looks like? Yeah, well, you couldn't put the whole chart on the wall because in 1967, actually in 1974, we had a, the Arab oil crisis and the lowest point in the last 50 years on the Dow was 577. <laughs> that was, I think, in December of 1974. So I had to figure from the lowest point, you know, and I tried to scale it. And uh, But I also wanted to make sure that the bars were big enough so you can see the swings, you know. So I had the challenge of trying to capture the swings and not make the bars too tiny that you wouldn't even see the swings. So I started out every six inches was 100 points in the Dow, 1967. All and by the way, the first 13 years of my life on Wall Street, the Dow only once was through 1,000, and that was in 1973. So we were under 1,000 for the first 13 years. And then as we started to go up, I, I kept, and then I started raise the scale. Instead of just six inches being 100 points, I made six inches 500 points. And then when the crash came in 1987, I had to rescale the whole thing again, but I captured the, the major decline so you could visually see how horrible the 87 crash was. And then I had every six inches, a thousand points. <laughs> and that was able to get me to the top of the of the, of the the building. And you know, every year I do a calculation of where I think the Dow is going to go. In December of last year, 2016, when I was putting my 2017 forecast together, my hail, I call it my Hail Mary pass. My my long-term target, my extreme upside target was 22.9. For 2017. Honestly, I thought that uh, 22,900, well, if I can scale it up to at least that high, you know, maybe that's where it'll but uh, as we all know, it blew right through. <laughs> so, so, and that's why we we uh, had to write this story now because uh, sure. y- you you completed most of the work in the spring, and you've been going and painting. You left enough room to round out the year yeah. on the in terms of the length of the barn. Now I got to paint this. I got to paint the roof. <laughs> exactly. Ralph just went through the the Dow went through mm-hmm. the roof. Literally, yeah. Uh, yeah. on Ralph's barn. Now, I, I guess a thousand point moves obviously aren't what they used to be. No. But then again, we've we've never had a year where we've gone through four millennial markers like we have this year. Has the sort of rally and the strength of this rally sort of surprised you as you've been charting it? Yes, as I said to you before, you know, I had that was my extreme target at twenty two nine. You know how I calculate that? I literally sit down, look at all the thirty Dow stocks. And I calculate technically, you know, I don't make these up, but you know, what's a near term expectation? What's a real bullish expectation? So I pushed the numbers in December of last year to get my max upside this year, number one. And number two, um, you know, I'm a big history buff, and we technicians like to look at the presidential cycles, and, and most presidents have a honeymoon period. In fact, I like to. And I have been comparing Trump to Reagan because he was another outsider president. And Reagan's honeymoon lasted six months and was up about 10%. And then he had a bear market. It dropped 24%. So I was thinking, well, my 22,900 target is safe. You know, we'll get a honeymoon. You know, I'll give 
Trump, six, seven, eight, ten months, whatever, and then it'll have some kind of a decline. Well, lo and behold, honeymoon, Trump's honeymoon is still alive and well. One question I have for you is, how was your, what was your wife's reaction when you decided, when you told her that you had this idea? Well, she looked at me, she said, oh, you're kidding, aren't you? I said, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> And then when I was explaining to her, and this is where I got into trouble, because I, I thought I was going to have to bolt signs and, and lev- levels, not, uh, little signs onto the wall to capture the levels for the Dow. And I'm saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to find someone to make all these signs. They're going to have to bolt them on. And that scared her. And rightly so, because I would have had a problem with leakage inside the barn. And then she was worried about, uh, you know, you're gonna, it's going to draw all sorts of gorkas and people are going to want to see. And she was nervous. And, and, and rightly so. And after, I don't know, a couple of weeks, he came up to me even very sheepishly. He says, oh, well, it's your, it's your passion. you got to <laughs> do it. I said, thank you. <laughs> and I did talk to her. She's now very supportive. And she did photograph the moments this past week when you climbed up the ladder yeah. and literally drew the black yeah. line through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she told me it was pretty precarious. So uh, what are you going to do to round out the year here if you have to paint on the roof? Well, I have a friend of mine who has in the past uh, lent me his lift. You get into this thing, press a button, and it literally lifts you up, and I can easily make it to the over the roof and uh, just lean over, and I'll I'll paint the gray. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll send you guys a chart at in December, or actually January. When, it's, when the year's over, I'll send you a picture of what the roof looks like. <laughs> Perfect. So just real quick, how did you unveil this? You had a nice unveiling, right? Well, you know, uh, I'm very involved with the technical community. In fact, I was one of the co-founders. There were two guys, myself and a fellow by the name of Johnny Brooks. And he uh, also lives out here. We have a chapter out here. We meet every month, and we had our September monthly meeting on the farm, and that's why I, that's where I unveiled the, the chart to everybody. We've been talking to Ralph Ankampora, who built or chartered the Dow on the side of his barn. Thank you, Ralph, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Ralph. Everyone, thank you for listening, and check back in with us later.